0: This is a Rooster Teeth production.
1: Okay, Charles, I think anybody who listened to the last episode knows for a fact that you and I both love Godzilla. So that's not coming to question. But I think our audience would benefit from a temperature reading on the Mm. big lizard. So my question is, Charles, for you, (laughs) what is and when is the peak Godzilla?
0: Ooh. I hate I hate this question, because it, it comes up in <laughs> conversation. <laughs> yeah, I hate this question, and I have to answer it, honestly, because uh, uh, that, that's the kind of person I am. I am going to come out in a full-throated defense of Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, which, uh, in addition to... Um, not being uh, sex specific, right? Um, it's sex changes over the course of the movie, right? Everyone's like, yep. uh, "He's coming to kill us," and it's like, "Uh-uh, baby, no, 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 no." Godzilla transcends gender. <laughs> Not only does Godzilla transcend gender and sex, like Godzilla is going to, you know, mess you up and lay its eggs in Madison Square Garden. Um, I love that. I, I, if I was being a little more honest, it, the truth is that that was the first God movie, Godzilla movie I ever saw, but I still think it's fantastic.
1: I love how detailed and long that answer was. And I knew I had you to get you oh, to come God. out of the closet with that at the top of the go. Let's play <laughs> that theme song and start talking about Godzilla.
0: Welcome to The Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe and help make happen in real time. I'm Charles Pulliam Moore, writer for io9 and social media agitator.
1: And I'm John Reisinger, content creator and producer for Roost Productions and the internet's supportive dad. Today, we're talking about Godzilla, specifically King Kong versus Godzilla. But you're going to notice that there's one of those two creatures that we favor more than the other. We have, you know, our tastes.
0: With Godzilla v. Kong on the horizon, uh, we felt that now is the perfect time to take a look back into the histories of both of the gigantic monsters and really dig into what it is about them that we all like, but more than that, why we keep telling these stories about them, even though we all kind of understand that at the end of the day, it's all about seeing huge monsters beat each other up, maybe level a city, and in the more recent films... Following humans as they go about their family drama in the middle of the apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) That's something that we definitely want to get into um, as we get to this specific film. But before all of that, we're going to kick things off with cannon fodder, our quick breakdown of some of the week's most interesting entertainment news.
1: So we're starting off cannon fodder this week with a sad story. Is that, is that the truth?
0: I mean, it's a uh, I I When I read this, I my heart definitely sank because it is one of those moments where you have to step back and be like, oh goodness, we're talking about specifically, we're talking about the recent news that reported, or rather, the recent news that came out about whatever happened to that Legend of Zelda series uh, that Netflix mm. was supposed to be working on that we all heard about a few years ago, and we're all surprised, being like, we all know that Nintendo. Um, how to put, is very particular about the kinds of projects that it does with its IP. And to see that the studio, rather, the company was ready to willing with someone like Netflix or something was a really big deal. Um, then all the news kind of stopped and we all kind of sort of forgot about it, I feel. Every time like yeah. Zelda news would come out, we'd think about it like, oh, a, uh, Age of Calamity, like what's like, what's going on with that? Um, as it turns out, and this all came by way, <laughs> this all came by way of the podcast. Um, what ended up happening was that leaks got out. Um, specifically when word of the Zelda project ended up making its way from Netflix into the pages of the Wall Street Journal, um, Netflix, rather, Nintendo immediately backtracked and said, Oh no, we we're we we do not need to do this. Um, as disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 it sounds so simple and so like, well, why you guys? Leaks are normal. But again, Nintendo has always historically been not tight-lipped necessarily but very much desires to be in control of what goes on with its products and once the narrative really sort of got out of control they said shut it down in addition to the legend of zelda show um, we also heard word that there was a planned star fox show vaguely generally inspired by the fantastic mr fox um, that was in development with college humor that similarly was shut down and now we're all sort of sitting here being like wow we could have had it all. We could have had it all and then yeah. some, you know, especially because last year, as weird as things were for new films and new shows coming out, it was a really big year for animation because production could still go on during the COVID
1: pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the two bonkers things that I take away from this is, one, we still don't have a Legend of Zelda TV or film project ever made. This, mm-hmm. this franchise... And this IP seems like it was made to be adapted into something for the something screen, out. but we still just never have it. We also still only have one iteration of Mario as far as movies goes, <laughs> and that one we can't even get into right now. Someday we'll get into that. Someday okay. we'll do an episode on Mario and have to talk about John Leguizamo <laughs> and 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 uh, John Hoskins and everything like that. But uh, that that's the the fact that we just we still don't have a legend of zelda show or mm. movie is crazy also this is where i learned that the star fox project was a stop-motion animation yeah, project that also makes me super sad because i want to see stop-motion Fox now and that got taken away from me before i even knew it could be a thing
0: i think the thing that's really bittersweet about it is that right now we're living through for nintendo fans uh, I, I speak as one a really fun era for their ip as a yeah. whole because the company's doing a lot more bold exciting things with things like zelda in particular Um, the uh, Hyrule Warriors spinoff game that actually ties into Breath of the Wild that dropped last year, um, is obviously it wasn't like the first Hyrule Warriors game. Um, it wasn't the, it wasn't Nintendo's first attempt at really sort of doing something a little bit different with an established IP, but by tying it to Breath of the Wild, it was this very sort of bold move on Nintendo's part of being like, all right, yeah, like come and get into these spinoff games that we didn't necessarily roll in house. But we've given our blessing. Not only will they be fun and different, they'll be worth your time. And seeing that in the video game space right now makes me long for what we could be seeing on television. Um yeah. obviously anyone who's familiar with the Legend of Zelda mythos knows that there are, despite there being, you know, set narratives within the canon, there are an infinite number of ways that this series could have, you know, tapped into pre-existing stories yeah. and done its or done its own thing that could have been considered a part of, you know the complicated split timeline element that is you know present within the zelda franchise um who's to say what's going to come in the future um obviously nintendo knows that people you know it's koi it's is it's one of the reasons that nintendo is able to play koi like this is because they know we want it they know everyone wants to see these <laughs> things um and they're just not they're like all right y'all can wait then like they're not pressed to get it out um i don't know it, it all just kind of it's all kind of you can chalk it up to a really perfect example of like we can't have nice things and maybe sometimes we should all just chill
1: out a little bit. And before the comments start dragging me, I just remembered, yes, we've had Pokemon and Detective Pikachu I liked, so we've gotten that. Uh let's keep it. But again, uh, like Detective
0: keep... Pikachu feels like a new it feel it does, even though you know it's a part of it's it is a game, it does feel like, oh, Nintendo Took a gamble and said, let's try it. And it ended up being successful. Hopefully we'll come back to this.
1: Um, should we keep talking about video games and talk about where video games are sold and the movies that are going to base, be based upon the places where video games are sold?
0: I don't, I don't, um, I'm confused. I, I I download my video games from the ether. You know, I summon them directly <laughs> onto my devices. Where, where, where does Wait, one buy? you don't go games? and
1: take them to some brick and mortar, get like maybe $2 back and then spend $60 on a physical copy from some sort of a, a store establishment? I don't. I don't know what mortar exactly is exactly. GameStop is getting a movie and a series <laughs> deal because of their weird stock thing. That's the news.
0: <sighs> That's. It is. Un, it is wholly unsurprising, and yet still, I couldn't help but feel like, ah, okay.
1: Uh, is this be- gonna be the new <laughs> fire festival thing where we're gonna like have to choose like which? Uh, Uh, documentary about the GameStop thing we're going to watch and we'll all be like, oh no, the Hulu version of the GameStop story is much better than the Netflix version. Is that what it's going to be? I mean, I think
0: that's definitely going to be a part of the conversation around these two films um, and whatever other projects that happen to end up trying to make some kind of comment about what went down with GameStop because obviously this is going to, if you told me in a year's time that this somehow worked its way into Law & Order SVU, I would be like, of (laughs) course. I don't I, sure. I don't know what Benson did exactly, but by all means, go on. Um, but in a way, the thing that really differentiates this from something like the Fire Festival, um, the Fire Festival thing, really was <laughs> a perfect opportunity for everyone to just like get their fill of Schadenfreude, right? It was yeah. obviously a coordinated stunt event for celebrities and you know the the socially aspirant, we'll call them. Um, and they ended up, you know, scamming themselves into being on an island in the middle of nowhere, you know, yeah. <laughs> sleeping outside. And it's like, oh, that's how unfortunate for you. Um, everything that we know about GameStop, I mean, just from a zoomed-out picture, we immediately are able to how to put. There's a way in which the FireFest story was easily reductive. Or reduced into like heroes and villains, right? You've got yeah, yeah, yeah. You've yeah, got yeah, celebrities yeah. and influencers are dropping all this money, and it's like, mm, yeah. that seems like a bad that seems like a bad choice. With GameStop, it's infinitely more complicated, right? Yeah. On the one hand, you've got. You've got all these stories of people who are a part of the subreddit who are like, thanks to what we did here, I can now pay my bills. I can take mm-hmm. care of my family, that kind of thing. And then you have your hedge fund managers who are like, what are these tiny people doing? But <laughs> even for the people who aren't directly involved, which is to say like, you know, trying to trade stocks here, what the part of the reason that this story became so big is because it is a part of the larger way that our society works and as much as we're, we're f- focusing on GameStop as an example of how the stock market has never been set up in such a way to be accessible to yeah. the everyday person. That is an important story to be told, but the speed with which the announcements for this first wave of movies came out, I mean, it's, it, it's hard not to interpret it as, oh, Hollywood just wants to cash in on this, not necessarily yeah. to tell a story that's important and necessary, but you know... So you'd be like hey remember this thing that happened last week while well, we have a movie that you can watch yeah. that's now streaming online it's like eh, for what
1: yeah it, it can work out like well i mean it has in the past like i think like big short's a good example of like something that i mm-hmm. think did at least a service of explaining to a lot of the public like what did happen with mm-hmm. the housing bubble crisis right. like and the big short did that in a clever way i mean they literally haven't had a moment in big short where margot robbie is in a bathtub teaching you about how like housing economics work but like all that to say that like this kind of stuff like it can have its benefit you know uh uh uh, but agreed like this is still you know the body's not cold yet and they're like we're gonna make a movie about it so it feels a little disingenuine um i'll save final judgment for when this stuff actually gets made and comes out whoever's attached to it and how good of a product they put out but in the moment it does feel like hollywood is not trying to do a you know some sort of humanitarian service and more so just you know consuming ideas to put out there into the machine
0: yeah to your point you know we had a conversation because we talked about gamestop and by the time that the podcast came out the news had changed um more had come to light And that is obviously very much going to be the case with this as well. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, with with the podcast that needs to drop a week later, obviously the turnaround, you know, is an issue. But with the movie, there is obviously time, right? The the filmmakers are watching along with the rest of us. And one can hope that in the future um, they bring this story to the big screen in a way that does it justice and serves some larger purpose. Um, We shall see unknown but what is known about the future some interesting news that broke this week we are all heading back to wakanda at some point in the near future thanks to a new wakanda series coming to disney plus that is presumably like all the other disney plus series set in the marvel cinematic universe going to goodness in some way continue these large overarching stories that we've all been watching for these years unfold on the big and small screens
1: Yeah, I'll tell you why I'm particularly excited about this series. Although I'm like full honesty, I'm particularly excited about basically everything MCU has announced because they all seem to be going in, you know, um, very different directions, whether it be, you know, uh, Doctor Strange going into the multiverse or uh, Thor, you know, letting uh, Lady Thor be a thing. But uh, the Wakanda series is very interesting to me because one, it is definitely a part of the MCU world that showed like the the scope of how big of this place is but also spent you know not a lot of time uh exploring every aspect of the wakandan uh culture that could have been you know highlighted granted they basically had a film and then cameos and other films so yeah i want to you know find out what's else going on in wakanda but then also on top of that you know with the death of chadwick bozeman um disney has said we're not recasting black panther and we're going to continue to explore through this world. So beyond just the idea of like another Black Panther movie, sans Chadwick Bozeman, this is an entire series. And I know from reading the comics that there is, you know, plenty more in the Black Panther verse to, you know, turn into an entire series. But from just a, a general audience perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested and excited to see what they do to turn that into like multi-episodic series kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing that I think really got people lit up about this when the news first dropped um, was the fact that Ryan Coogler is very much going to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all recognize that Ryan Coogler as a director was just as as much a part of realizing the Black Panther film and everything that we loved about it. Um, Part of what made the Black Panther film so strong was while it was very much a celebration of T'Challa as a character and everything that he's embodied in Marvel's comics, Ryan Coogler and the writing team were very, very careful and specific about crafting a story that gave all of its supporting characters, not just moments to shine, you know, like the wake fight in Korea, um, but really sort of compelling and gripping arcs that made you want to know more about their interior lives when they weren't necessarily trying to stop, you know, terrorists from taking over the world. Um, That's the kind of, it's, it's the kind of like, textural element that makes what could be considered, you know, a formulaic film really stand out in the moment. Um, and mm-hmm. you can forget about it. But then when things like this come out, it's like, oh, you remember all of these scenes with all these memorable characters. And it only to, uh, to a film specific audience, you know, to people who are only really familiar with Marvel's films, that alone, I feel is enough to just spark that initial element of, you know, like excitement, like, oh, even in T'Challa's absence, there's so much more, Wakanda's essence that was present, you know, just in Black Panther and now Wakanda is set up to bring all of that to the fore in a really big way.
1: All that to say, I don't see anybody in the future ending their Disney Plus account anytime soon. Um no. <laughs> so we're all going to hold on to that or share it around. Um but that's enough for the news. Let's talk about big uh, monkeys and lizards and go to the state of the canon. Godzilla vs. Kong is coming out soon uh, and it really brings up a discussion of talking about, you know, these two pivotal characters that have been with us, you know, in one of their cases for over close to 90 years now. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, we both are fans of, you know, these characters to varying degrees, but this franchise in general of like big kaiju monster movies, we like those. Um, And so... We're going to take some time uh, talking about, you know, why we have these movies, where they came from. And I, I you know, specifically want to talk about why we like these movies, because I think that's mm. a very interesting discussion. We're going to start off with uh, the the green boy and uh, talk <laughs> about Godzilla. Um, why do we have Godzilla, Charles? Goodness, why do we have
0: Godzilla? Why, why wouldn't
1: we have Godzilla?
0: I mean, the simplest, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the simplest answer is obvious. Uh, you need a mon every, every movie needs a villain of some sort. Um, and you have the first Godzilla film dropped in 1954 um, that, by our standards, uh, in retrospect, looks very sort of, you know, simplistic. You have a story about an irradiated monster coming to life um, and rampaging its way through Japan as people look on in terror. Um, we now goodness, it's it's talking about Godzilla is it's difficult because the character means so many th- different things simultaneously, you know, in all the different mm-hmm. you know because we right now it's interesting to sort of look at the upcoming movie not as necessarily how to put not just a continuation of the Godzilla and King Kong movies that preceded mm-hmm. it. And not even a reboot or reimagining of the previous incarnations of those characters. But really just sort of like a parallel entry, like, all right, listen, this is a part of a myth that we like to tell ourselves, this myth of godlike monsters coming together to clash, um, which I think is, uh, that's uh, that's how we got here. Um, your question is, your question about like why we have Godzilla, obviously there is no talking about Godzilla without talking about World War II, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Godzilla is understandably recognized um within the text of the film as being an embodiment not literally but like an embodiment of the fear following the dropping of the atomic bombs um part of the magic of godzilla is seeing all of the destruction and the fear and the desolation being transformed into this like spectacular in like the most like literal sense of the word spectacular wondrous being that you are forced to look up at and has transformed all the things that you know in this case about you know war and human ingenuity into things that you marvel at you know when he you know when he uh, leans his head back and does the war and the fire comes out on some level you understand oh that is (laughs) that is literally the danger of nuclear energy radiating out of this thing's mouth Mm -hmm. get away from it but at the same time, that there's that part of you that's like, wow, that's really fucking cool. Um, what was your first Godzilla? What was your your first Godzilla experience? Oh, was? I'm
1: st- I'm in the same boat as you. I watched Roland Emmerich <laughs> in the '90s, and, and I mean, actually, to be honest, I had seen like I had grown up as a child of the '80s, mm-hmm. seeing clips and trailers of stuff, but not being of the age to like go out and see these movies on my own. I grew mm-hmm. up in a very conservative. Uh, home that didn't really, you know, let the kids go watch anything that was adult or anything like that. And so my parents were not like going out and like taking us to see Godzilla old movies. Mm. Um, But, uh, you know, I had seen the original, like the original, original cartoon. um, And and so uh, I, I remember that. But then, yeah, it was like I remember the ads for. Godzilla and like the, the you know the foot that they mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm. put in all of the posters because it was trying to keep it mysterious how this new Godzilla looked I remember the Taco Bell collaborations <laughs> um, and so yeah that was that was my original you know introduction into Godzilla but uh, like uh, his later iterations continue to foster an interest in me like uh, whether it be the 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 reboot that America is, is is basically riding the wave on right now. Um, or even like Shin Godzilla, when everybody was raving about how good that movie was, I jumped on the the bandwagon. I was like, yep, you're right, this movie's great, and I like this monster. I I'm down for more.
0: Now, see, I'm glad you brought up Shin Godzilla because I wanted to touch well, not touch on, but I really wanted to spend a second sort of digging into that shift in Godzilla, right? He's initially introduced as a villainous monstrous figure that humanity abhors. But then there's this gradual progression over the the character's cinematic history where he goes from being a villain to being a hero and now to being something more like an anti-hero that we all sort of have an ambivalent respect for and love for when he shows up in order to fight these other monsters. And something that I think is really fascinating is how, in a way that a lot of characters who have gone through evolutions, there's this way that previous incarnations of them whether it be through the companies like making it happen or people just organically forgetting, we have a way of sort of you know forgetting what came before. There are sure. other characters similar to Godzilla where people will be like, oh, yeah, he was a villain at one point, but then he got over it. Now like, this is yeah. who he is. But with a character like Godzilla in particular, there's this really fascinating way where the people in the films, regardless of whether or not Godzilla is a pre-existing known quantity or like a new phenomenon— they all are able to hold both ideas in their minds simultaneously in different yeah. situations, right? There is this like, yeah, he's coming. Oh, no, he's going to fuck us up. And it goes back and forth. There's that tension yeah. there. Like, weirdly enough, prepping for this, I came to the idea like, oh, like they're like wrestlers that way. There is a constructiveness <laughs> to you know, but in a but in a way that there isn't necessarily for, you know, a, a superhero, um, a human, yeah. you know, a humanoid superhero, the kinds yeah. that, you know, the kinds um, with. You know, with your hero with your faces and your heels, the way that Godzilla and Kong have both been in various films, mm-hmm. the studios, it's really is just like, Oh, forget what you just saw. You know, you've seen it in the you've seen it in the, the promotions for this. The last Godzilla movie that we saw was quite literally about Godzilla ridding the world of a bunch of other monsters who were all yeah. about to ruin humanity. And now with its next film. There's a, there's a shot where it's like, um, why is he attacking us? And it's like, cause you're shooting at him. Like you're, you're, shoot, you're shooting at Godzilla who you all remember just <laughs> shaved, like saved you. And presumably Godzilla remembers as well. Um, I hope that the movie's going to like, you know, not shy away from, you know, that, that, Oh, should we love them? Should we fear them? And it seems really yeah. pleasant in the trailer.
1: That's it's It's funny you bring that up because I, I did a lot of, um, uh, deep dive research into like the the history of both of these characters because i admittedly didn't have a ton of you know heart facts of where these guys had gone through in their whole careers again Godzilla, king kong's been around since the 1930s and godzilla's been around since the 1950s there's a lot to catch up on and know what's going on it's very similar to some of these comic book characters that we like can go that far back into like the history of um but yeah, I mean, King Godzilla has gone through so many different iterations. He's gone through, like, actually a couple of reboots because um, he originally came out as, like, very villainous, you know, just destructive monster creature. Mm-hmm. And then they introduced a bunch of other monsters and and creatures for him to fight slash team up with. And he got a little bit sillier and sillier. And then he went away for a bit, comes back in the 80s, and they get a little serious again. Um, but... Uh, this yeah this this iteration of Godzilla is his own iteration and I I, I love what you said there about how like we, we can watch these Godzilla movies and these big old kaiju monster movies um, with these recognizable characters and you're almost watching like, all right, which one are we going to get? Is he a good guy or is he a bad guy? <laughs> right, 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 is right, going right. to help? It's like, oh, he's, he's breaking everything. He's a bad guy. <laughs> like Shin Godzilla is a, is a great example of that where Shin Godzilla was a reboot of Godzilla that was actually, you know, meant to uh, be a uh, new metaphor for another meltdown that mm-hmm, happened in Fukushima. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um And once again, Godzilla is a bad guy destroying uh, Japan and Japan is rallying to get together or specifically the the bureaucratic, uh, you know, branch of Japan is banding together in order to figure out how to deal with this big, uh, you know, irradiated lizard mm. uh, and. I think that's part of the magic of Godzilla. That's such a stupid thing to say. That's part of the magic of Godzilla. Oh, strike that from the record. I'm
0: glad you brought up I'm glad you brought up Shin though because Shin Godzilla for me personally what is so great about that film is that it is like, to your point it is a movie that is about the the metaphor of Godzilla as well as Godzilla the actual yeah. creature itself. And it's this fusion of, like, text and subtext within a film that speaks to, like, okay, you guys know Godzilla, you are well-versed in his lore, and, you know, the kinds of conversations that have popped up in the discourse around Godzilla. Let's present that to you all at once in a way that season fans and new fans can both appreciate. Yeah. The same kind of storytelling, in my opinion, has not really been... Present with King Kong stories. Um, We were talking about, you know, sort of what's your most, what's the most iconic and definitive Godzilla for you? And obviously, that's a very subjective thing. Everyone is going to be different. It's based on their personal experiences. Sure. And I think that there are plenty of people who do. Well, I mean, I I do have a like a King Kong in my mind, and it's the the classic one. I think about you know old. I think about old timey movies back when the the scariest things that they could think of were very dapperly dressed, slow-moving vampires, slow-moving zombies, <laughs> and large apes-climbing buildings. It's like, oh, my goodness, were we ever so young? Um, <laughs> but when you, when you sit, like, if, you, if you sit and go back and watch the King Kong movies, um, the, in the same way that the ideas at work in Godzilla are very complicated and nuanced and tied up in the idea of um, national trauma and turmoil, mm-hmm. King mm-hmm. Kong... From to my mind, reads much more simply, you know, as to put it very simply, like 20th century obsession and fascination with Africa. You know, that is very yes. much a part of the text of yes. the original Kong film.
1: It's, it's so funny. You see, uh, it, one could possibly say that uh, King Kong had to walk so that Godzilla could run because uh, Godzilla was a... Uh, in was inspired partly by King Kong right. and, and uh, you know, American monster movies. And basically the production company Toho, who owns Godzilla, they saw, you know, King Kong, very successful movie in the 1930s. And they saw, you know, they specifically saw the way they pulled it off with the claymation special effects and that kind of thing. And they... Upgraded it and gave it, you know, a meaning of why mm-hmm. they have this giant lizard, and they put the lizard into a, you know, turned it into a giant costume that could do a lot more things. That was a uh, um, easier to pull off than with the costly process of claymation. Um, but, but yeah, but you, what you're saying about how King Kong wasn't based in anything deep or, or you know, thoughtful. King Kong was just all about fear and 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 the spectacle um that a giant monster can cause
0: oh now see i don't think that it's not deep i do think that there's a whole lot at work here that the king kong films have you know over the course of their history all kind of tried to shy away from because the truth is kind of messed up and ugly um you've got Marion c cooper one of the co-creators of king kong was an airman um who was truly just fixated on the idea of the wild exoticism of africa and its creatures. Um, and you can see the ways in which King Kong as like a cultural object, the story of white men traveling to deepest, darkest Africa and discovering a large ape who's obsessed with a white woman. you you know what that story is about. it is It is about a large ape, but it is not. It is about non-white people at the same time
1: it's it is it is it is just so bonkers to me that 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 like, a uh, specifically the whole like blonde, Fair skinned white woman romantic interest was perpetuated in like th- three or four different reboots of King Kong, as well as a bunch of other spin offs and that kind of thing. Uh, and did not end until King Kong was adapted to a Broadway musical. Uh, which is a thing that I highly recommend you look up some YouTube videos of. It is insane how they pull off King Kong on Broadway. It involves a lot of dudes pulling on a lot of cables um, in the dark. Uh he fights a snake on stage. It's amazing. And that's the like the first time in 90 years of making this using this character where he is not obsessed and romanticized, ro- you know, romanced by a white woman. Right, uh, and it's
0: so odd, it seems so odd that like, it, it's it that is a very simple character dynamic and it's like no one thought fit to sit down and be like, what more can King Kong do? <laughs> what other kinds of personality elements can we give this character? And I mean, you do see these riffs and these attempts at trying to make the Kong, you know, archetype more fascinating in characters like mm-hmm. Donkey Kong. You know, it's obvious like, oh, where did this idea come from? Donkey Kong is obviously a King Kong analog, so much so that he's obsessed with Princess Peach. But to bring Mm -hmm. the conversation back to Nintendo, over the course of the years, Nintendo's been like, all right, well, he can't just keep stealing Peach. There has to be more to his character. There has to be more to the dynamic that he has with Mario when they inevitably meet up. Um, And so as I look at this upcoming film, I think to myself, I see Godzilla as this walking contradiction that people humanity loves and abhors at the same time. And you understand just from the trailers that Godzilla has this deep, meaningful connection with at least one child. Um, and you're like, all right. Yeah. Like you're working. You're, you're, you're firing in all cylinders here. But then with King Kong, it's like, huh, the most recent film, you know, the most recent Kong film with Andy circus as Kong, um, also starring Brie Larson. It was the same thing.
1: It was no, like, you're, uh, you're getting, you're getting too mixed up. Oh yeah. Uh, 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 Ooh, not yeah. Andy circus. Andy circus was in the 2005 uh, remake by Peter Jackson. You're right. You're right. Uh, My goodness. You're talking about Loki and Captain Marvel uh, hanging out <laughs> with uh, King Kong on Skull Island. Yes. Yes. Yes, I am. He, he becomes friends with Brie Larson. He becomes you know, friends and, with another and, blonde. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, and even in that 2005 remake that you alluded to, that involves the same thing. I think, what was it? Naomi Watts was the oh, lead it, actress it, in it was one. Naomi Watts. My God. Yeah. So yeah, another, uh, you know, pretty blonde chick uh, hanging out with a big old monkey. And yeah, it has been like a thing for forever.
0: It's a thing and it's obviously, I don't think anyone reads King Kong. It's interesting. No one reads King Kong and thinks like, oh, like this is, this is real messed up and has some really messy, gross racial undertones to it. That's not like that's never in my mind it's never mm. been on my mind whenever I've happened to like see the character. Mm-hmm. But then when you sort of try to look outside of the films or, you know, the films or the series, I'm thinking specifically about that Annie Leibovitz shot of Giselle Buncheon and LeBron James. And it's like, huh, huh, that's the that's the direction you're kind of going in. All right. All right. The people who the people who love King Kong, I, I'll say it this way. The people who love King Kong, who insist on making more and more stories about King Kong, to my view, have not brought anything new to Kong as a character that has really justified its continued presence in films. And I sure. I really hope that this next round, you know, congrats, they gave him a hammer. That's a start. What else? should <laughs> I
1: I hey, I I'll, I'll say I'll sing one praise about the latest uh, iteration of King Kong with Skull Island and everything like that um that I think actually has succeeded better than the either you know Godzilla from uh uh what was it 2014 or whenever the 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 reboot was and then the Godzilla King of King of Monsters thing that happened recently was that uh, Skull Island at least uh, encapsulated and paid attention to I think, a necessity for these movies, which is a level of absurdity and silliness. Mm. Um, These are, at the end of the day, two giant monsters just smashing each other, (laughs) you know... Uh, around a bunch of scared humans. Like let's not get try to make this too deep and too uh you know waxing poetic about what's going on here. Like that's part of what we like. It's you know it's the same thing of like what did we like in Power Rangers? We liked it when they got big and the Megazord was fighting a giant creature that Rita Repulsa made. We like that. It's kind of <laughs> cool seeing them fight. And Skull Island was a lot more in that uh you know played in that space a whole lot mm-hmm, more. Mm-hmm. Um and while Kong Skull Island had plenty of faults and uh, narratively, I think, had some hiccups and everything like that. I think at the very least, it was a lot more fun to watch than the recent Godzilla and recent Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, It was even easier to watch because uh, also those movies, especially Godzilla King of the Monsters... um, King Kong Skull Island wasn't, you know, just all at night in smoky, uh, foggy, smoggy, you know, uh shots that you uh-huh. couldn't tell what the hell was going on. Granted, uh-huh. King of the Monsters had some beautiful shots and was had some beautiful areas, but a lot of the action then just becomes a smoky mist where then Kong Skull Island was also beautiful, very very colorful and allowed you to actually see this big ape smash other things. Mhm. Mhm. I mean like
0: I I I too have enjoyed Gorillas, when I go to the zoo. And uh, <laughs> that sounds to me like what you're describing. And uh, I'm glad that you had such a fun time with a very expensive ticket to go see a monkey. But okay. <laughs>
1: I will you know if they, if they, they you, I, okay fair enough fair enough <laughs> I I I will say like you know uh the the Godzilla uh remake uh with Bryan Cranston and everything like that it had some good stuff that I got right I love that they saw like the original role in Emmerich, you know Godzilla design they're like nah 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 our Godzilla he's chunky we're back yeah. to the big old grizzly yeah. bear looking Godzilla um he's a big boy and everyone's like yes big boy's back and so I love that. Uh, but you know, that movie also got a little stuck in some of its, its story. You know, it, 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 it lied to us about how much Brian Cranston was going to be in that film. Um, and then, is that
0: that why you showed up a Brian Cranston?
1: Well, we were kind of all writing off a little bit of a breaking bad high with Brian Cranston. (laughs) And they were like, Oh, Brian Cranston's going to be in this, this, this Godzilla movie. We are like, great dude was in there for like five minutes. And then they were like, and here's your paycheck. Thank you very much. We're going to move on with, (laughs) with some other people. Yeah. Uh, and King of the Monsters, you know, you and I have alluded to how much we have a problem with the human story that happens in King of the Monsters. And that's kind of more of where I was talking about where the yeah, movie takes yeah. itself too seriously and gets like environmental with it. And we're like, I, I don't really care. I like right, this part right. where, you know, Ghidorah <laughs> and and Godzilla are fighting, but I don't really care about this whole like uh, monologue that you're having about how Godzilla is going to fix the environment.
0: Right, right. We are the disease. We know. We know humanity is a disease. Get to the monsters. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I think that's part of the Americanization of Godzilla. De- desperately trying to uh, follow the trend of Godzilla is a metaphor. Godzilla mm. is a metaphor. Mm. Um, but yeah. America, through any of its use of Godzilla, has has yet to land that to do anything. Well. Yeah,
0: it's always just like. Yeah, and what if Godzilla's attack on New York was just like the ways in which my divorce was going through? It's like no, no, <laughs> stop. My God, stop, stop, stop. You can look for meaning in things, but you're not gonna find you're not gonna find your divorce settlement in the kaiju fight.
1: But we, we kinda of, we've gone over in depth, you know, into <laughs> to links about like, you know. Why do we have Godzilla? Where did Godzilla come from? Insane for King Kong. I want to spend a little bit of time at the end of this podcast talking about why do we like seeing these movies? Mm. Because this is a conversation you and I have had a little bit. This is a conversation that I threw up on Twitter um, where oh, I just yeah. asked people, tell me, why do you like Godzilla? And the answers were fantastic. Okay. And they ranged from people loving his theme song, which is great. Okay, sure. Um, to people just you know being honest me like I like seeing the big lizard break stuff it's cool like people are honest with it um, and but whatever your reason is like uh, people like this Godzilla there's a reason why he's he was mm-hmm. he started out in 1954 and we have like 30 films of him going into you know our present day.
0: Mm. What do you like about Godzilla what like what, what, what gets it what gets it going for you.
1: I think I've touched on it a little bit in this podcast already, but I mean, just to lay it out in in plain terms, yeah. I like the balance of Godzilla as as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. I think that's why Shin Godzilla worked so well was that it was a return to that metaphor in a very successful way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but even Shin Godzilla uh, uh, succeeded in the other area of why I like Godzilla, which is the silliness, in that it was silly to a degree to watch you know bureaucratic japanese you know social workers uh argue over you know where to direct traffic to get Mm -hmm. away from this larval stage you know (laughs) uh monster that is breaking their train tracks um you know like there was there was there was tongue-in-cheek in in there and that these You know, that the the politicians in the midst of a giant Uh creature destroying the city would still stick to their guns of like, you know, being politicians like that was uh, absurd. And so I like I, I like these these shows because they are a spectacle they are fun. Mm. They are silly. You never know what you're going to get. Like uh, with like, even the the other monsters that will show up later. Like people are speculating in in Godzilla versus Kong that we're going to see Mecha Godzilla. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and if we do, I'm here for it. I'm fine <laughs> with that. Um, yeah. But I think Godzilla works best when he is a balance of those two things. The thing
0: that I like about Godzilla is not all that deep. I really do just like that there are a bunch of different versions of this character that all have slightly different versions of the same power set. Um, yeah. To me, there's nothing more fascinating than comparing um, just the technical differences between the ways that Godzilla is able to wreak havoc upon the world. Um, mm-hmm. we, we talk about nuclear. Oh, I'm being really serious. I mean, I think, I, I, yeah. I think like, Oh, it's a big it's a big dinosaur and it's radioactive. Breath. Right, what does that mean? Um, I like literally the hair on my arm stands up whenever I see a shot of him charging up. I think the charging up is the coolest thing yeah. um, just because it, it it begs the question, like, what is that process going on inside of the creature's body? Like <laughs> um, you brought up Shin Godzilla, which is definitely up there in terms of being one of my favorite executions of this character specifically for the attention paid to the fire breath it isn't just you know it isn't just one mode of attack for godzilla right yeah there is the breath itself um, that looks like breath and like fire um and i love the little detail where you see the protective eye shields come down just to protect its eyeballs from the radiation um but then when godzilla is really trying to you know mess the the ships that are shooting it up Um, It goes into, it shifts into this almost Evangelion-like territory, right? The breath becomes Mm -hmm. more focused, and it goes from being a uh, a breath of fire into a beam. And that, there is something very, (laughs) I, I feel very simple saying this, there is a very simple, like, beauty to the fire i think that i love to watch i'm
1: sitting here saying i like to watch the fire burn it's true i really i really do (laughs) we you know you can you can try to figure it out you know down to a psychological level why we like these things but there is there's just a part of our generation and and other generations apparently that we like seeing you know uh, small monsters evolve to big monsters and uh-huh, to get, uh-huh. you know, more and more powerful and, 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 you know, show cool moves off like that, you know, whether you want to think about Pokemon, Digimon, or even Godzilla. Um, and we kind of, we're kind of getting at that this time with King Kong and that he's getting leveled up. He was smaller, he was a little boy, and now he's big enough to take on Kong. I mean, to take on Godzilla, apparently, uh, in the upcoming uh, movie. Um, he ate his Wheaties. Um, he, I he did I take what he isu- to I take do. I
0: take all kinds of issues with this. It makes no sense. I'm, I don't. I, I truly just do not. I don't. I'm sure the movie will come up with a way to justify how it is that he's able to take on Godzilla. But it's like, mm-mm, nah, dude. Not only are you young, but like you've been on an island by yourself this whole time. Meanwhile, Godzilla's like, oh no, I've beat all these people before. Who are you? No, no,
1: no. I I think all that to say I'm. I'm still, I, I I was, you know, a fan of these franchises before we started working on this episode. And now that I've really gone back and looked at this stuff, you can't help but be amazed that these very, very simple characters have just stayed around for, you know, close to a century uh-huh. and that I don't see any reason they're going to stop anytime soon. They might take a break. They've taken breaks in the past, but some point or another, some filmmaker is going to go. I have the new take on King Kong. Give me the reins, and they're going to yeah. do it again. <laughs> okay, so that's enough of the the big chunk of our show. But we do have one last segment: head cannons. And specifically in the headcanons, we've already talked a little bit about it, where uh, Godzilla, I mean, King Kong, you know, he was in Skull Island a certain height, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, Godzilla versus Kong, he's finally gotten big. Also, there's some time has gone by since King of the Monsters. My headcanon question for you today is, what have Godzilla and King Kong been doing in their little breaks in between these films? <laughs> what do you think they've been doing to prep? <sighs>
0: Oh, what would that montage look like exactly?
1: Uh (laughs) I want a montage. I want a montage of King Kong, you know, lifting boulders and doing his his workouts and drinking his pre-workout drink in order to get big enough for the big job he knows he's got ahead of him.
0: I'm pretty sure Godzilla went, I mean, obviously went back to the bottom of the ocean and was like, what the fuck was that? I don't know what the hell this world is. This is ridiculous. And if (laughs) I had my truthers, I feel like immediately after godzilla started trying to put out that whatever that radio signal that they communicate through is they all made the sound it was ridiculous a little bit of logic and was like
1: um (laughs) uh
0: tapping the microphone hello is anyone else out there and i would love if for whatever reason right it's a very faint signal and not even one that's technically on the same frequency but godzilla gets just a tiny little bit of kong right and that's all that's happened in between the last time that we saw godzilla godzilla in the ocean and said, is anybody else online? And then saw that guy. oh, that's all that King Kong had been online 15 minutes ago. And then said, hmm, I don't like that. Let's go. Let's go get it.
1: There's probably also a lot of eating in there. He's a chonky boy.
0: I mean, I'm not convinced that it's this. What if it was a clone? I just don't like that it got big. I know it's, I know it's been 70 years, but it just. Oh, no. Just I mean, wrong. I mean, Godzilla,
1: <laughs> Godzilla had to go and do some eating because that's a thick boy who has to keep his pounds up and how do you, how does our, that's what I like, I imagine like in the time being like, you know everybody on land has stopped being able to eat fish because Godzilla (laughs) has just eaten our entire ocean supply of sea life because like you know, there's gonna take a lot of sushi that's gonna keep that boy's calories up. Oh dude, I'm assuming Um, that he's just
0: eating full on whales.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but like (laughs) a whale to godzilla is is a goldfish snack to us that's it's true. the size it's true. It's true, um kong i guess is the more interesting headcan to think of like what has he been doing uh i mean I, I imagine he he you know he had to have been on that island still fighting all the other monsters on there and keeping the balance going but he was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger somehow and, and presumably being alone. angrier He's, some... he's gotta be bored he's gotta be bored
0: yeah because it's it's interesting that this next movie is like and now my friend is a child and it's like huh okay is it just because you're starved for uh, you're 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 <laughs> starved for companionship whatever we'll see maybe i hope i hope that i I'm, I'm i'm curious and i'm hopeful that this new relationship between um the small human child and kong is something more than just she's the only person who can talk to kong i think he wants to protect her
1: I'm like oh, give me more that's going to be it. You know it. That's going to be it. <laughs> uh, but we'll have to see. And I'm I'm very excited about this movie. You know, good or bad, it's still just a f- every time these movies come out, it's a fun time to talk about them. It's a fun time to reminisce. And it's a fun time to, you know, go back and watch your favorite iterations of them, even if it's, you know, f- f- fucking weird one in New York City eating fish that uh, Matthew Broderick put out for it.
0: <laughs> okay. So. That brings this episode of The Real Canon to a close. If you liked what you heard, and we know you did, drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts because it definitely helps us out a whole lot.
1: And obviously, if you're not subscribed yet, uh, we would love you to change that. Uh, our show is still growing, and we want to invite people to join in the conversation. So please check us out on social media all the stuff we've been talking about this referential materials these movies even that Anne Liebowitz, you know photo we put we're gonna put those on our social media you can find us on twitter and instagram at uh real canon pod um it's a fun place to talk about all this content we brought up in the episode
0: so everyone get ready get hyped and we'll be back next week with more of the real canon